You're listening to episode 57 of the Broken Glass Podcast, Getting Creative to Find Industry Jobs with Sydney Oberholzer. You're listening to the Broken Glass Podcast, a podcast with a mission to highlight women in the music industry through their stories, from their successes to their trials and tribulations. We'll share tools and resources available to you to make your music dream job come to life or to start that business you've always wanted to own. But most of all, you'll be a part of the Broken Glass community where we support and encourage each other and open the doors to working in music. I'm your host, Christy Jacobson, entrepreneur, music lover, wonderluster, and dreamer. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Broken Glass Podcast. Today, I have Sydney Oberholzer with me. She is a music marketing consultant and content creator. Welcome to the podcast, Sydney. Thanks so much for having me, Christy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk to you because we kind of work along similar lines uh, in the podcast space. Um, But let's just kind of dive right in. Tell me and my audience a little bit about yourself and what you're doing right now, and then we'll Mm kind of go backwards and how you got into the industry. Yeah. So, I mean, my world kind of got like turned upside down, um, you know, when COVID hit. So um, I was working for the marketing department for AG Presents um, for music festival marketing. And that was really exciting. But when COVID hit, I pivoted and started helping individuals and also um, just like personal branding. And that's when I I was doing a lot of freelance work, um, both marketing and local productions here in Chicago, um, also like producing them. And that's when I started meeting a ton of different people, realizing that there's so many more roles in music than I ever thought um, existed. And I was having these conversations and getting to know them and and thought, hmm, how easy would it be just to record and add a microphone? that's wrong. And I know you know that too. There's <laughs> yeah. so much more that goes into it. Um, and, you know, but that's what I started doing for the last six months is really just creating a ton of content. And it's like, in a way, asserting my authority in the space while meeting these amazing people and sharing their s- stories. Um, and so, that's when I started getting connected to, you know, just independent artists who need a little bit of help. um, And then also finding uh, different projects to work on their marketing for. Um, And so honestly, just been, just been consulting for the time being as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, you know, interesting to see, especially during the pandemic and, and this really interesting time we're going through with the music industry to see how everybody pivots. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you went from, were you working in an office before everything happened or? Yeah. 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 So that, that shift to working from home and, and then also in your career, just kind of taking a dive into, you know, what I want to do. And I've actually gone through that too in the last several months. It's, you know, things have shifted in, in my full-time job and to be, you know, honest, it's, it's, what do I do next? Like what's, yeah. what's next in my career? What's next with my business, with the podcast and everything. So, um, you know, I, I always love to hear when people really take that in their own hands and make that shift and, and find what they really enjoy doing. And it sounds like 
podcasting and content creation and helping people is really what you enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. And to be honest, like, I feel like ever since, like even before being in the music industry, because I come from a background of advertising um, and I worked at like traditional, like advertising agencies and it was just not my place. I always knew I wanted to break off and do my own. Like my whole life, I felt like I've been like pushing against the grain over and over again. And so I've, I've been so used to transitioning and creating my own path. And so when coronavirus hit, I'm just like, literally the next day, I just jumped into long form content, which happened to be podcasting um, and knew nothing about it. I didn't even listen to one before I like started creating it because like I, it, like, I just didn't even have time to even consume anything while I was doing my like daytime job. And I think that's like another thing that we get so consumed. We let our jobs consume our life. Um, and that's great and all if it's like something that you love or like it's your own business. Um, but I think it's also great to have something on the side so that you have like your own identity that's separate from a job because what happens when coronavirus hits you lose your job it's out of your hands um and then it's like what what else what else are you like what are you doing um but yeah literally the next day i just like went full speed ahead like and just even think twice and just start like meeting people and just you know recording and learning all the tech behind it, all that as I went. That's a lot too, to, really, because I was in the same place too. I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. Oh, I need to do this and this and this. And it just kept going. Yes. So, and but, it's still to this day is like never yeah. ending, like new stuff. Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's like the music industry, just trying to keep up with what's going on and, and uh, how things are changing and shifting with technology and, and getting your getting your voice out there. And I think a lot of people with the pandemic have been home and how do I get into all these different things? I'm sure there's been a lot of podcasts created too, and um, a lot more blogs and people are really, okay, I lost my job. Like you, you mentioned, like how, how do I do next? And, mm-hmm. you know, I know people who have lost their job and either they had nothing else, like their job was their life or like, you know, you and I, they had something else to to go to and say, okay, now I'm going to shift my priority over here. And actually I just bought a book. Um, I got it yesterday and I'm excited to start it. It's, it's called can't even. And it's, it's about how millennials became the burnout generation. And I think Mm. I'm interested to read and kind of see how it applies to, you know, those of us who work our you know, our jobs or our lives and see if there's a difference between that and what you and I do with the side hustles and, and other, other things. So I'm, I'm excited to dive into that. It'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. You'll have, I'll have to write that down because that is so true. And I think it's not only are we like used to, um, like not only is it that I feel like we're getting more and more overworked, but we're also individually like over like working ourselves and trying to add more and more on. Um, but also like this is a conversation I was just having with someone too the other day is like, especially our parents, they don't realize that 
it's not just us being like babies or whatever, like, you know, how our parents are always bashing um, the generation, but it's, it's like, we're always accessible. So we can never turn it off. Like we just can't leave our desk and be like, okay, done for the day. No, we have our phones and we're expected to answer an email immediately. Yeah. And especially, you know, at least for, for me with, you know, my business with Mm -hmm. broken glass media, I feel that, right? Like I've actually, with my full-time job, I've set boundaries. When I took the position I'm in, I said, I'm not, I'm doing my 8.30 to 4.30. And yes, I have a phone and I have email on my phone and I have Slack on my phone, but my my evenings are mine. Like Mm -hmm. I need to be working on the business, the podcast and weekends. I need to take time off. Otherwise I'm going to burn out. And Mm -hmm. I I had to set those boundaries because I know a lot of people who don't and, you know, they're replying to emails at 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like, no, that's, this is my time. Yeah. And I think, I think we just have to really be strong and just say, look, you know, I, I guess too, it depends on the job. My, my job, they said, yes, absolutely. You know, we, we respect that. And, you know, we'll, you know, just make sure you put like in the calendar that you're off that day or, you know, put Mm -hmm. your schedule in and, and then we'll, you know, know that, but yeah, it's just important to, yeah, it was great. But then I have the side business and it's like, I feel like, cause it's my business. I'm like, now I'm replying to emails. I'm the one replying to emails at 10, 11 o'clock at night, but you know, it's, it's taking responsibility. You're building. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I do kind of want to jump uh, back a little bit, you had mentioned mm-hmm. that you started off in advertising. So did you have any experience going into the music industry at all? Or did you, you're nope. strictly. <laughs> so uh, no, well, okay. I'll, I'll give you the rundown because it's very, it's interesting. Like I think on paper, people are like, how did you jump from this to this? And like, what's the connection? Um, but essentially, yeah, I started an advertising agency and, you know, it was cut and dry. It was like TV ads, working with TV networks. Then I went into the traditional digital. So I was dealing with like a million different partners. The space is insane. There's so many different ways that you could work. And it's just, it felt like I was just a number and that I was dealing with like billions of dollars for brands I didn't care about. And like, it was just so dry to me. But the one thing that I loved is the entertainment part. So like when we were looking at new content and seeing if it matched the brand, when like we did like internal meetings or entertainment, entertaining, um, like after hours stuff, I was always the person that were on campaigns that had to deal with music or I like raised my hand for it for it. I always recommended it to clients. I've like I just saw a value in music and the connection it can make or enhance a campaign. And alternatively, like I kept requesting to go to concerts for team outings and all that. And so I kind of got this like um like self-made, like, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on the word, but people will just start noticing that like, I was like the music girl, like I was the ultimate fan. And so I like fast forward, I actually got into contact with the publisher at Rolling Stone magazine. Um, and we just kicked it off. We just hit it off. Like 
And three weeks later, he's like, hey, someone just left. Do you want to work in the brand partnerships department and um, like, you know, essentially work on the flip side of it and work with what my role was at the agency, but for Rolling Stone and create those co-branded um, campaigns that you see in the magazine at events, like online on their, on their publication. And that's what I started doing. And that's when I started meeting a ton of people who worked in the editorial team talent. I created campaigns for these brands with artists and just really opened up this world. And that's when I realized, oh, wow, I can have a job that's more geared towards the business side because I'm not like traditionally creative. Like I never played an instrument, like, and that's what I thought. I'm like, there, it's just artists. So then um, I left Rolling Stone because like I was talking about before, it just, it, I didn't want that to be my only identity. I felt like I was getting overworked. Like I was that person that would go into work at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and then answer emails and like just always be on. And I like used to have to remind myself, hey, you work for such a cool brand. Like don't be upset with like your life or whatever. Um, but it ended up starting to be that way. Um, so it was kind of like resenting such a cool brand that I loved for so long and I was doing really cool things, um, at the same time. But so then I left and started doing, and that's when I'm like, I want to be in the music industry fully because that was still like a hybrid, like advertising. And I think that was like the driver for it being too, too much work and the, like the tox, the toxic culture part of it. And so, yeah, I, I took like six months to get my first gig. Um, and I thought I want to do event production. Um, so I was producing like local events and stuff, but like no one would give me a chance. So I made fake business cards that literally said producer and marketing consultant. And then people started calling me back. If people are going to do that, they better prove themselves and do a good job. And, um, and I, I like, I, I mean, I'm here now, so I think I did a good job. Um, but I think it's stuff like that where you just got to think outside the box, you know, like market yourself in ways that, you know, that people haven't done before because something as simple as business cards, like it worked. Like I wasn't spinning my wheels. I wasn't applying to a million jobs on LinkedIn, you know? Um, and so that's like where it started. I started, um, producing and creating marketing campaigns for, um, like these local, like underground music productions, um, ended up helping out with Chance the Rapper's album release party. Then that's like where I met a lot of people. Um, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. Like I, that's then eventually I met a bunch of people at AEG Presents. They called me up to be on the marketing team for Firefly. Um, and that was the last like major marketing project I had for the industry. And I think kind of taking back a little bit that uh, it's really important to know. And I had this conversation with somebody on a podcast um, a couple weeks ago that you don't necessarily have to be a musician to work in this industry and you don't have to have 
any kind of experience with music, you can simply be a fan and find a job in the industry because there's so much to it. There's so mm -hmm. many different avenues in the industry, whether, you know, you're like, you know, like you in marketing or you even work, um, you know, I work in customer service or business development. Like you don't have to play an instrument to work in the mm -hmm. industry, to enjoy it, to love it. And there's so many cool companies to work for that, you know, whether it's, you know, AEG or Rolling Stone, or I work for a sheet music publisher or anything in the music products or record labels, there's just, there's so much out there. And, you know, I, I think we don't, you know, I, I didn't realize how big the industry was, how, how big and small the industry was right. <laughs> until I, I went to school. And I actually, I have a music business degree. And when I went to college, I went in undecided because I was like, well, I, I don't know what I want to do and thought I would lean toward business, but the school actually had a music business program. And that's when it's like, Oh, this can be an actual career. So mm -hmm. it's um, that, I think that first of all is, is important to note. And then, um, you know, you'd mentioned, you know, working for such a cool company, but the burnout comes. And I think it's just kind of recognizing that and mm -hmm. like you did and, and figuring out how you can, pivot and still work in the industry and do some really cool things. But yeah, thinking outside the box. And I think right now that is so important to mm -hmm. just do anything you can. Like I've got, you know, I've got classmates and friends who are trying to find jobs right now and they're just, they can't find anything because all of live is pretty much shut down unless there's mm -hmm. the drive-in shows and the live streams. So it's, it's how else can you, you know, work and, and just do things on your own. And like right. you said, printing out business cards, I'm a marketing consultant. Well, what yeah. else can you do and, and who can you talk to? And, you know, I know it's hard right now to network because um, we can't, we can't go out at all, but yeah. how can you network online in the Facebook groups on LinkedIn, connect with people on podcasts, like, you know, you and me, we met for the podcast. So there's just a lot of things out there. And I think people just really need to really open their minds. Like it's not mm -hmm. apply for a job and go work at a job. Yeah. And I think um, that's another way that people can burn out is by like spinning their wheels, doing the same thing. And that's what I also recommend to a lot of my friends is like, you know, you're going to do better for yourself. And I know this seems like weird and it might feel like it'll cause distance in, in like yourself is like, people when they're when they don't have a job all they want to do is apply to jobs but the reality of it is like you i've only ever gotten a job from networking um i've never just simply applied to a job and gotten it and i also now i just don't necessarily spend my time applying to jobs i really want to know the people that work there and actually care about the brand and i think that like translates and that's why it, it works out and i think that's what people should focus on doing is really just identifying like a core group of companies or like do additional research connect with a bunch of people on linkedin find out about other companies that maybe not be, might be the top dogs but like are similar or cool and you want to get to know the people um and to the other point of like thinking outside the box it's like you know you don't have to do the business cards but it could be as simple as like okay where is someone not as popular like like for example 
if I see that someone has like 20,000 followers on Instagram, they're most likely not going to get to your message. But if you can find them on LinkedIn or another platform where they're not as popular, you're, they're more inclined to answer you because you'll break through the clutter. So it's just like thinking about little things like that and don't give up like on if someone didn't answer you after one. And that's just like another marketing tactic that I like to put in like my own life is just it's, it's just engaging in a personal way, but like, you know, in a way that you don't have to compete against others. Like there's so many different ways and you don't have to just stick to one channel. Another thing is like thinking outside the box in terms of your job. Like if you work in live events, typically that's okay. If you can identify the skills that maybe you've built over it and pivot into a different industry that's maybe thriving right now, but that doesn't have to be forever. You won't be set back. You could always go back to music when there's an opportunity for you. I think people forget about that. Yeah. Um, the, you made a good point about messaging people. That was the, the first thing I wanted to, to kind of point out. Um, I actually went through a course this summer on finding jobs, uh, remote work jobs. And one of the things that they said was, you know, research, you know, make a list of all the companies that you would like to work for and then research who works there. Who can you message on LinkedIn? And it doesn't have to be like, you know, someone up high up, you know, CEO or, you know, high up in HR but find somebody who's in a comparable role to what you want to work in and connect with them. Right. And find out, you know, what their, the culture's like and, and what the hiring process is like, and just make that, that genuine connection with them. So I thought that was, um, you know, when you mentioned that, that's something too, and, and finding those channels, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, LinkedIn, whichever, whatever platform you, you choose to, to use and just connecting with them there. Um, mm-hmm. And then you also made a good point too about um, the skills, right? What skills, what skills do you have? What area do you work in? And especially in entertainment, um, you see people go back and forth all the time between mm-hmm. music and TV and film and all the different realms. And, you know, I know a lot of filming's not really happening right now, but the streaming services are, you know, that's what everybody's doing. They're, they're at home, they're streaming, they're listening to music, they're watching TV, they're watching movies online. So, you know, maybe you work in live and nothing's happening there, but what about the streaming services? What about the digital side of the labels and publishers mm-hmm. and that? So there's still a lot going on in the industry. It, it feels like the whole industry shut down, <laughs> but it, it didn't. And people are starting to record again and get out and release music. So there, there is a lot out there. You just have to, where, where can I find something, you know, what's, what's going on right now and just look at the industry as a whole, rather than your specific targeted Absolutely. niche. So. Absolutely. And I feel like there are a lot of companies and like startups that are not necessarily considered part of the music industry, but they have like music components, you know, like I feel like there's a lot of overlap in tech and, um, and music and, and gaming. So like, that's even like, you know, an opportunity in itself. It's just, I guess, understanding what's happening now and following those trends. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, kind of 
creating your own opportunities too, like the podcasting, or I've actually started writing for medium. So, um, you know, there's, there's so much out there. It's, it's mm-hmm. what, what else can you do? Um, at least in the meantime, and then once, once things start opening again and things get back to, I guess, normal in quotes, <laughs> you know, then, then that's another story, but just, you know, what can you do for yourself right now? Yeah. So I think that's important. And, and I guess, you know, that kind of goes along with, you know, your podcast. So, um, your podcast, uh, the setup, you talk to artists and industry professionals, um, and we kind of talked a little bit about your beginnings of it, but I'm just kind of curious, like what really prompted you to just go head first into a podcast in that specific niche? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so when I was pivoting my career into music, I just was meeting like tons of people in like a short period of time. And that's when I started realizing, wow, like there's so much that happens behind the scenes that we as like music fans who don't work in the industry don't see. We only see the final product. We only see pretty much the artist part, like just the front people. And so that's when I like decided like I want to start having these conversations and share it with the world and amplify those voices and hear their stories and hopefully in turn it'll like help artists and music professionals as they're working on their projects or breaking into the industry and I chose podcasts because it's longer form and I know I didn't want short conversations and also I originally thought I didn't, um, that I didn't want video, but I actually enjoy video conversations. I think it's way more personable. So um, I also like post videos just because like, why not for people who love visuals? Um, but yeah, honestly, I couldn't even tell you, like it, I just, it just popped in my head and I'm just like, I'll do it. Like, why not? Um, not really, not really realizing how much goes into it. Um, and, and like, I also chose music is because I definitely wanted to educate myself as well. And what better way to do it than ask the sources and the people who work on all these different realms that I haven't even touched. Yeah. There's a lot, like I said earlier, there's a lot to the industry. Um, is there anything that you, you learned through speaking to your guests that like completely shocked you that that, like you had no idea I mean I'm sure there's there's so much to it so I'm sure there's a lot of things but was there anything that stuck out in your mind like speaking to your guests I mean something as basic as royalties like I you know I've heard of them I knew how it worked you know but I didn't know to what extent and it still boggles my mind like for example I'm not and I'm not bashing anyone um but and I know they do their jobs well, like, but it's so crazy to me that someone like a producer, they get paid up front and then they get like a piece of the song, which I think it should be either or like, it shouldn't be both, you know? Um, I don't know how that works within those conversations. I feel like that in itself, you just can't Google. You have to like know people and have those candid conversations, but people are very protective over splits and royalties. And so I don't know. They would be nice to have that more, that transparency. 
Yeah, I think that honestly was shocking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Royalties. I remember learning about that in, in school at first and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, they get all, you know, um, but there's, I, I think, I know there's an app out there now that I'm not sure if it involves producers, but I know it involves like the artists and, and the writers um, mm-hmm. that helps you determine the splits. Like you're s- sitting in the studio, you're recording, you're writing, and then you do it in the app and then it submits to the the PRO for you. So mm-hmm. um, they're, they're starting, there's like a lot of the tech is coming into that part now, but it's, yeah, royalties is definitely like it's a whole specialty <laughs> like to, to understand and you know and then as a songwriter you have your your print music royalties you have your performance royal like there's all kinds of <laughs> I don't even know all there is to it I, I know like probably the, probably as much as you do about royalties but it, it's, it's definitely insane yeah it is and like um I've even heard stories where like a manager gets like part of the royalties for a mm-hmm. song because a band like just felt bad and they wanted to help them out. I'm like, that is like <laughs> insane. Like I could see that they could work out maybe like, I don't know, like portions of like tangible items that they could sell or something like that, like percentages, but like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, it I mean, I'm not you- the artist, but like, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's why you need to read your contracts very carefully yep. because you never know what someone's going to try and, and slip in there. Or um, there's, and I'm not quite sure how popular there are because I haven't really been in the, in the record label realm, but the 360, um, 360 record deals where they, uh, the label will get a piece of everything so merch, touring, music, basically anything the artist does. So it's it's really understanding what kind of deal you're signing, mm-hmm. what kind of contract you have, percentages, if you get, um, you know, an advance, at what point do you have to have that paid off or how is that being paid yeah. off? What What's counting towards it? It's, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and um, you know, and, and there's a lot of information out there too now. Um, but I think the one... The one book that a lot of people in the industry go back to is uh, Donald Passman's Everything You Need yep. to Know About the <laughs> I knew you were gonna say which that. gets updated every couple years. Um, but, you know, it, it gets into that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of books on contracts and licensing. And it's just, I mean, even if, you, if you're an artist, there's just so many pieces to the puzzle that, you know, those of us who work behind the scenes who maybe just do marketing, who just do print music, we don't see every piece, but if you're the artist right. and you're the manager, like you see everything. So it's definitely a lot, a lot yeah. to it. But um, that's why like, so I think it's good I, that yeah, you're having those conversations. Yeah. And I can imagine like being an artist, like it, it's definitely overwhelming and I can see how people can take advantage of them because if they need help, they could, I could see them like just, you know, taking the first hand that helps them, you know? Um, but in a way, and that's that's another interesting thing that I've been like really just like latching onto is that artists essentially they are the business, they are the company. You know, you got to hire the right people to make sure your business is successful. 
Exactly. So. Yeah. I mean, you're an artist, you're the entrepreneur, you know, you got to mm-hmm. bring in the people to support you. And, and I, I think too, really as an artist to understand, you know, you have to be a specialist in every, every piece, mm-hmm. but to at least understand how each piece of your career works. And so that way you don't get taken advantage of and you understand, Hey, you know, this person's doing this, but that's not how it's supposed to be done. That's not how I want that to be done. And if you're, especially if you're independent too, then you have mm-hmm. that kind of control to, to say that. But um, yeah, no, that's such, such great points. Um, I kind of want to jump into a, a little bit different part of the podcast. So um, we, on the podcast, we talk a lot about women in the industry and mm-hmm. any struggles that they've had. Um, so I'm just curious, I was like to hear from everybody, you know, have you come across any resistance um, as a woman entering the industry? And if you did, how did you overcome that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I've only had one really, really difficult experience. <laughs> um, but as far as I can tell, I don't think that I've been like looked over because of my gender um but i think it definitely plays into it um i'm trying to figure out how to i don't want to name any like companies but one of them that i was at i did feel like um that both my gender and my age made me more vulnerable or at least appearing that way and so all of the people, all of the like executives were male and they were white and uh, like it, it was kind of all around the same age. So although it wasn't explicit, it just was apparent that like, I, you know, I was one of the only females and like I was a lot younger. So I, and I think based off conversations, it just, it felt like I was being kind of like constantly looked down upon or that I couldn't handle things um, without like making it seem too much for them to get fired for any reason. So I just kept taking it kind of thing. And now I'm real. So like when, when I was at that point, I didn't do anything, but I kid you not, I think about it like every day, like I now take that and I set boundaries and expectations immediately. Like I don't let anyone try to take control of like the conversation or anything that I'm doing or make me seem like I'm not doing what I'm doing. Um, So that's how I try to handle it now. No, that's great. And I think setting boundaries is probably the most important part to it, you know, really. And understanding too, you know, if, if that happens, you know, is this really what I want to be doing? Right. And if it's, it's prevalent, you know, and people keep going past those boundaries, then especially as a business owner yourself, right. Like doing your own thing, like now, you know, especially for me too, like I can choose my clients. And if I feel like somebody's pushing that boundary, I can say, no, like that's, I I don't want that in my life. So I think Mm -hmm. that's important. And um, it's a great way to, to really kind of get past all that. So I think, you know, what you're, you're doing now is, is great. And, um, you know, and I think a lot of listeners can, can take from your experience there and, and apply that to their own careers. Yeah. And you know what, one of the things I love the most about this industry too, out of any of the others I've ever touched, um, although 
females are um, less prevalent in music. I swear to God, I've never felt so welcomed and supported, like, especially in, in organizations and even online groups. Like, it, it just, it's, it's really nice to have that, like, that one thing in common <laughs> because it's not like, like, whenever I'm looking for information or insight, people are pretty willing to give it. Like, even if it's a simple post, like I get like 50 comments immediately. And so it just really feels nice that we're all banding together and not being yeah. like against one another or feeling right. like we're competing for something. Yeah. And I think that's a perception that a lot of people are it's like a, a, a misconception is that women in the industry are always competing with each other, but we're not like we're, we're working together. There's so many groups out there in different parts of the industry to help, help each other, to highlight each other, to lift each other up, um, collaborate and connect. And I, I kind of, I feel the same way is, you know, the, within the music products industry, there's a, a, you know, a group too of women and, you know, there's a lot of men out there too, there's that, that support. It's not, you know, uh, you know, there's a lot of great men out there. It's just the one or two mm -hmm. that, you know, that seem to cause all the issues. Yeah, but not all I of them are very, bad apples. Yes. <laughs> no, I've I've had so many great male supporters, um, managers who really support what I do and and want to help me out, help me help me grow in my career. And I, you know, I I think, I think the tide is is changing. I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of people who are recognizing what's going on and that things aren't acceptable and are willing to help everybody get to where they are. And, um, you know, I'm not sure about other areas of the industry, but I know the music products industry in particular, everybody's been so supportive. Um, they're supportive of everybody else and they want to see everybody else succeed. So that's um, incredible. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's something that I, you know, I think the first thing I heard when I went to school for music business was, you know, how hard it was and how cutthroat it was. And I, there are areas that are, mm -hmm. but it's, it, it's not like it, it was made out to be at least, at least for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think the hardest part is like getting in. Um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I, I do agree. I think that's another great thing that's coming out of COVID is like, there's no room to keep the people that are toxic in this industry. And I think people are starting to realize it, whether it's um, creating their own path or finding uh, someone else, like other people to surround themselves with. And I think that's really important. Um, I, I truly don't think that anyone could succeed alone. Like, I think even if it's just a mentor, like, you need someone to support what you're doing or like even use as a soundboard or collaborate or whatever it may be. Um, it, you, it, it, and essentially it's a champion to make sure yeah. that you're not beating yourself up over something. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's awesome advice. And I, I agree. I have a, a business mentor who's not in the industry and, you know, she helps me with, you know, a lot of the business side of everything and, and just, you know, just find the people that you, you click with and you can connect with and, and who are there to help you and, you know, who you may be, you may be able to help as well. Yeah. So wrapping up here, um, do you have any resources that you'd recommend for other women looking to start in, in marketing, music marketing, um, and content creation, like, 
like you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I am a huge lover of um, LinkedIn. I know a lot of people like either think it's like daunting or overrated, but I think if you utilize it correctly, um, it's a really great resource, like poke around, um, you know, essentially, like, I feel like you could find anyone on it, especially now. I think before COVID, it was really hard to find people in music that had online profiles, but I think now people are starting to realize they need an online presence. Um, so that's great. Um, and then just to learn more about anything, cause like marketing in itself is also always changing. Um, if you do get LinkedIn premium, you can get access to LinkedIn learning and that is phenomenal. You can learn anything. I was learning how to use Adobe um, Premiere and like, you know, even how to create a business plan, anything. There's so many great instructors on it. Um, and then going into like, I guess, more tangible tools. My favorite tool ever is Canva. So if you don't know what that is, I like Canva, <laughs> yes, it's amazing. It's free. <laughs> can make social posts. You can make like business cards. Like you could make anything on it and they have so many, t um, templates. I feel like there's so many resources that I could list, <laughs> like even that I use <laughs> at the podcast. Um, yeah. but also, um, I think like just to connect and build your network, um, Facebook groups, like, we were talking about earlier music biz besties. Um, that's a very open and very awesome group. And even if it's not on Facebook, like you could Google like local groups. Um, I'm part of a couple here in Chicago that are female led, like she runs it and Femme City. And they're very, very helpful, like with workshops and create a lot of networking events but it's really up to you to do, to take the initiative and actually join them and attend them and be present. <laughs> yeah, there's, I, I know there's um, in LA, there's um, and some cities around the country too, New York, I'm not sure about Chicago, but there's a group called brunch work and they do um, typically it's you go and you have brunch and you connect with people and then they have a speaker or two, um, we'll talk about their experiences. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Um, now they're just doing virtual, but, um, mm -hmm. that's, you know, they bring in a lot of, they're really focused on like creative and tech. So mm -hmm. they've got music, film, and then the tech side too. So, um, you know, like you said, just going into, I, I went, I found them through my local, it was through Los Angeles entrepreneur group. So just finding those groups and then seeing what people are events, people are posting about, um, you know, right now it'll be virtual, but, um, when we get back out in person, you know, it's, it's great to mm -hmm. go and to meet people and to hear, hear these stories and be able to interact with the, you know, whoever the guest is, um, the panelists and, and that, and I know brunch work, they would allow us to ask questions and we could talk to them afterwards. So it was, it's pretty cool just to, to find those groups and to connect. And then the Facebook groups too, um, are really awesome. And, um, yeah. music is besties is a great one, uh, to connect with women in the industry. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. And please 
like for the love of God, whoever's listening, um, one thing that one piece of advice that I also want to give, because I know it's super tempting because even I myself find my, like myself thinking, mm, this would be easier. Do not, before even saying hello to someone, send a link to your content or your business <laughs> or your music because I guarantee they're not going to open it. Like there needs to be some context. There needs like introduce yourself, be a human, like say something about the person you're, you're about to approach, like give them a bridge to understand why you're sending and approaching them essentially. Um, because honestly, like that won't ever get anything done. And that's how you also just waste a sh- so much time. Um, Cause like, oh, yeah. I get, I get LinkedIn messages, you know, more related to you, the customer service side. So not even really industry related. And I, it's, you can tell it's just a standard, mm-hmm. you know, form message. They're sending everybody about this platform that they have. And I, I don't even read them. So I, yeah. if somebody reaches out to me, like I actually had somebody um, who was in the grad program after me reach out to me this week and you know, she established a connection with me, right? Hey, I'm in this program. I'm in this cohort. And I said, yes, I'll, I'll message you. I will Mm -hmm. add you because you put that personalization behind it. Right. You didn't send me this, Hey, you know, um, check this out. Or we have this program. Like she made a connection with me and you know, that's how you network online. I think that's the best way to exactly. do it. Exactly. Exactly. And like, it's like, I, I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's like three or four touches um, before someone actually like will open mm-hmm. your message. So like, why not just have those first three being like, Hey, hello. Like, I see that you attended this course in grad school. Like let's connect. Like, I mean, some people will assume eventually you're going to like hear something. There's something more to than just that, but at least that gives them a little like background, like a, a nice, like soft, soft touch instead of like a complete cold right. message. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think too, it's important. What can you do for that person rather than what can that person exactly. do for you? Right. Yes. Like if you go on their profile and you notice, I mean, I don't know, just a spelling error or, or that, you know, they, you know, they're, you're on their Instagram account and they might need some help with their social, mm-hmm. you know, how can you help them? And then maybe in turn, they'll be able to help you eventually. So. Yep. Absolutely. That is so true. That's actually a good point. Like give them something yeah. to work with to, to actually show and, and that too, like to actually show that, you know, what you're talking about. And that like, you're proving it right now, you're giving them a little bit of a taste of what you can like help them with for a longer period of time. Yeah. Um, Two last questions here. Um, Do you have any favorite books? I know you said you don't listen to podcasts, but any books, podcasts, musicians that really inspire you and what you do? Well, let me change what I was saying. I (laughs) didn't listen to podcasts, but now I do. But one of, well, one of my like music related ones that I really like is the music business podcast. Um, I think that's, it's, it's very similar to like my own. So it's really cool just to see how they do things. And 
um, the people that they have on. And then book. It's been a while since I've read books. I read like a ton of articles now. Um, the last book I read was Mercy or Just Mercy. And I think that's so relevant to now. It was it was actually a movie that came out in theaters like like uh, maybe half a year or a year ago now. Um, it was with Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Foxx. Do you remember that one? Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. I didn't see it, but, but I remember it. Yeah. The book, I mean, the movie, like, of course, just like barely touched on like what the book has, but like the, it's crazy because the book is about um, like this young lawyer who was like 22 years old would like bend over backwards just to help the underrepresented and the guys and and the girls that were on death row and so they would just try to get them off because a lot of the, like a lot of the cases like it's just clear that they were put in prison for no reason um or it shouldn't be for that term and so you know the movie was mainly about the main um the main plot which was an african-american male guy put in prison um, as like a scapegoat for whatever reason for a small Southern town. And the sheriff just wanted to look like he did something good for the town. So he put any black guy in jail and everyone knew him and stuff. And they, he was at he, like, he had an alibi. It was crazy. Um, and he was in prison for like 30 years. It was insane. Oh, wow. But it also covers um, a lot of laws till this day that like put 13 year olds in an adult prison that in prison like pregnant women or women who have a miscarriage because they technically like like did something or whatever so it's like all the underrepresented voices and it's insane and i can't believe some of these laws are still um enforced yeah i'll have to check that out that sounds really interesting it was really hard to read. I had to like yeah. put it down like every, like I can every imagine. day. Yeah. 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 That's intense. But it, you know, I think like you said, it's very relevant and it's something I think that everybody needs to read. Um, and you know, however that inspires you to, you know, in your career, your life, you know, how do you even just standing up for, you know, the, your, your fellow colleague who's going through mm -hmm. something. So, um, yeah, that sounds great. I've, got that down on my list already. <laughs> so, and then um, last question before we go, where can my audience find and connect with you, find your podcast? Yep. Um, well, I think the easiest route is just going to my website, which is thesetupseries.com. And um, also my Instagram, that is the setup series. All right. I will connect, link those in the show notes so everybody can find and connect with you, listen to your podcast. And thank you so much for uh, coming on today. Thank you for listening to the Broken Glass podcast. If you like the show and want to know more, visit www.brokenglassmediallc.com. Subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to leave a review. Join me each week to hear new stories, learn all about the tools and resources available to you, and get tips for building a career in music. If you're interested in becoming part of a community of supportive women in music, join our secret community on Facebook at the Broken Glass Collective.